Welcome to the DevReady Podcast. We're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined by Kate Tiller, who's the Chief Brand Officer of A Perfect Space. Kate, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Now, what? Are, what? Are, can you just a bit of background about who you are and um, how you sort of came about what A Perfect Space is, really? Yeah, sure. So A Perfect Space is a marketplace to connect producers and content creators with locations and to shorten the time it takes to find and book a space. Um, my background is advertising since, you know, my since I left high school or since I left university, so advertising and media. Um, I went from brand side to media side to sales side and so for the past 20 years, um, that was the first part of my career and then the past 20 years I've run my own business. So I had my own ad agency in Sydney and then I started my startup journey about seven years ago, eight years ago, and I started a um, to a tech company. Well, it was a website for um, sharing recipes called Love to Share Food and then we built a television show around that. So the reason that A Perfect Space was born was during the creation of that TV series, which we only built the TV show because we ran out of money building the technology. And um, the TV show was so successful, it crashed the tech. And um, finding, I had to find 13 kitchens in two weeks in regional Victoria that had to have a different style and a different aesthetic, and that nearly killed me. Making the TV show was easy compared to finding locations. So that was the that was the initial come to Jesus moment, and then I had a property in the mountains, and uh, so soon after that, six months later, I had a property that was being rented out, and I needed content created for that. And I had a contact from a blogger in Sydney, really high profile blogger, and we did a deal. And I said, "You can have it. I want this." So I wrote a brief because my background's creating content told her what I wanted. So eight months later, I got the content, threw it in the bin the minute I got it. They broke my lamp. They turned up 10 hours late. They didn't provide me what they said they were going to provide me and it ended up costing me money. So I was driving down the mountain and I'm thinking there's got to be a better way to find locations. So that's how, that's the genesis of the idea. And since then, um, it's been quite the journey. It's nearly four years, um, which is a long time in startup world, I realise. Um, but it's been, you know, we're, we're solving a big problem and we are disrupting. I know, I know that's thrown around a lot, but in our, in our instance, I've taken this around, um, America and Australia and we're solving a big problem and it's challenging, really challenging. Is it challenging? Oh, okay, Andrew. I was going to say, is it challenging because you're trying to break the norms of what people are doing at the moment? Oh, that's good. That's a really, really good point, Anthony. That's exactly right. So I kind of liken it a little bit to Ubers and the taxi industry that, you know, when you've got, when you're entering an industry that's quite, um, it's been around forever, the traditional way and process that's been undertaken to find locations has never changed and that's universal globally. So, um, you know, whether it be film or an event or a wedding venue or a photo shoot location, the same challenge exists all the way through and it's excruciatingly manual um, to the point where, you know, the first job that I did, which was with an international brand, Montclair, out of New York, they had 30 crew flying in from New York 
they booked it off a website because they needed to come to the snow and there was no snow left and they've literally flown in, picked up a photographer from Sydney, picked up a crew from Sydney who'd never been to Victoria and landed on the mountain where there was only a tiny bit of snow left down at the bottom of the mountain and I'm like, so that was probably 200 hours for of work, logistics, catering, location scouting, you know, transporting, housing. It was just monumental, but it was really interesting because it, it was a lot of money involved. And I looked at it and thought, you know, God, there's got to be a more fluid, pragmatic, practical way of enabling people to scout and shortlist without making that journey and making all those errors and wasting clients' money. Why do you think they basically book something in and fly down here without doing the scouting? Is it just because the content's not available, it's not knowing the area? What is the challenge there? In this instance, <laughs> to be honest with you, I think they've got too much money. You know, I just think they weren't thinking about it because they, they'd done Velda's Air the year prior and <laughs> decided to do, I think they were just late on their content and they went, oh, yeah, we'd love to go to Australia. And they were young, you know, digital team. And I, I was just, it, it was mind-blowing. What It was an amazing campaign, by the way. And then when we got all the... Um, all the PR on it, <laughs> they rebranded us as Belder's Air. They didn't credit Australia. <laughs> so it was actually even more ridiculous than it seemed. But, you know, it's just, look, that was, that was an extreme example. But I've also got other examples where, you know, um, the client, we've, we've got a couple of clients in Sydney that are looking for a specific kitchen. You know, by the time you go through Google, Airbnb, Stays, you ring people, you go on realestate.com, you know, you're talking hours and then you don't, what I discovered really early, I'm a big researcher and I put, I put a lot of effort into testing and trialling and researching and what I discovered was, the information on a real estate listing or an Airbnb listing doesn't give a producer the information they need logistically. It gives you bedrooms and bathrooms. It gives you air conditioning, but it doesn't give you the detailed logistical information that's relevant to a producer, i.e. how far from the CBD or how wide is the kitchen bench? How accessible is it for a boom operator to come in? So we've really built our product around that. It's very different on the listing if it's yeah, uh, it loose ceiling. Really and, uh... and meanwhile, you know, the other thing that I, I really noted early on was I kind of assumed that, you know, people who are doing an Airbnb would just share their photos over. But what I discovered was a lot of the professional photos that are used on these types of listing websites we don't want to use because they've got fishbowl lenses or they're overexposed or they're not really showcasing the authenticity of a location. So we don't want, you know, uh, you know, we don't want really dark photos or photos that are blurred or whatever, but we also don't want professional overcooked photos that are not going to give a true depiction of that particular space because what we want a producer to do is click on our website and literally in, you know, three minutes they would open, they would be able to shortlist, they can click on a video, they can look at additional content, they can logistically decide whether that location fits their brief 
without going out there, without making a phone call. And at the moment, that doesn't exist. I find it's it's a fascinating problem. Yeah, so I can get the issue too because where is this content kept? I understand that locations are everywhere, and if you don't, you're not aware yeah. of them, especially from the other well, side you of the don't. world. It'd and, be very difficult, wouldn't it? It is really difficult. And the other interesting thing is, like you know, we've pulled back, we've we've pivoted a bit since COVID, so we're now focusing heavily on the Australian market. Seventy percent of production is done in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. So. I'm a Melbourne girl and I'm really, really passionate about regional Australia. So involved with the bushfires, family have been involved in regional Australia forever. We've got farms. So I'm big on regional. So the biggest challenge is promoting Australia to the rest of the world. So whether it be Hollywood or the UK or India, there are so many productions coming in here. One, because we have diversity of location and diversity of landscape. But two, we have great crews, great unions. We're an easy market to um, for people to relocate to. And COVID-wise, we're a bit safer than the rest of the world, yeah? A lot so, safer right about now. <laughs> if they can actually get into Australia, <laughs> that's another thing. Anywhere, but, but, still, yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's interesting because if you think about this, and this is the challenge I'm trying to solve at the moment, the, if you want to pitch a movie or you want to come to Australia and you've never been here before and you want to film an Iraqi war, um, you know, sand dunes um, with, you know, a, a, an explosion in a mine type thing, how do you find that? You can't. There is A lot of Googling. A lot of Googling and a lot of old imagery, outdated imagery, you know, um, it's difficult, right? So, what we're building now is we're going to roll out around regional Australia. We're going to go by market and we're going to give access through a SAS to members that can identify, oh, they want a, they want a mountain range with gum trees or they want an island um, atoll around smaller islands with turtles, whatever it might be. We will gather and create that library and then we will market that library as well as the local um, freelancers available to work in those crews, which doesn't exist at the moment. There are many different areas you can book these freelance crews from, but you cannot do it centrally. And if you think about it, you know, location is the hero of every story. That's kind of our tagline, yeah? So if you're going to northern Queensland, there's no point booking me as a location scout because I've never been there. And that is the, probably the biggest challenge. It's every mm-hmm. location they end up picking, then you need different people, different services, You need different people. So catering, what all the bits and pieces in between. Yeah, right? so we're trying to bring all of that together. We've started with really basic pri- private locations. We've tested that for um, with agencies, we're focusing heavily on the TVC market with the view that we want to head towards streaming and film um, as we grow forward. We've done a lot of research on our competitive set and the markets and, you know, it's a big it's a big job but I'm confident, you know, we've got the tech now to get where we need to get. In terms of um, who is the competition in your space? There are. There's a lot. There's a lot. So surprisingly, um, Surprisingly, when I started this, I tried to list with location companies and there's there's a fair few Airbnb types um, and most people use Airbnb or they use Stays or they use one of the other location companies. 
what I have found is that there's a lot of fabulous location scouts that have been doing it for a long time that have it in their back pocket. It's not database and there's not optimized. So most of the great location scouts that I've worked with and dealt with and learnt from, I'm really keen always to make um, and learn from different people that have been doing it a long time. You can't search their databases because they're private. Yeah, they're all just in a back book. Yes. Generally at Blackberry too. Yeah. <laughs> the Blackberries, yeah. I know, I know. So so really it's it's a challenging business, not because it's the most, you know, I'm not suggesting for a moment it's the most sophisticated tech because it's really search, discover and book, right? But trying to engage with the different sides to this marketplace has been incredibly challenging. And challenging in a good way because Whenever you're disrupting, obviously not everyone's going to be pleased, yeah? But at the same time, that's right, change. But at the same time, we are getting more and more repeat business. We're doing a lot of work with media companies. My background's media, so all my team are from advertising and media and production and we're TV producers as well. So we know how it works and it's really about proving this the process and our system. And also then delivering on the tech. Our tech hasn't delivered. And fingers crossed in three weeks, boys, it will deliver. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about tech. But a lot of this is a lot the of the exciting part. That was the exciting part. Oh, but there's a lot of, from your perspective, I can see there's a lot of still manual work to get the locations, find the right people and bring all this yeah. together in one yeah, place. sourcing all that data yeah. and taking yeah. photos so they're relevant and getting the right information. Like if you have yeah, to get someone to measure a bench. Yeah. And look, um, you know, there's been it, – it, COVID gave us a really, a really great break, to be honest with you, a step back and go, right, What what is it that we're – are we still on track to solve that problem? We pulled back from America because of COVID, which gave us a chance to then really review the back end and go, right, something's not – you know, the search isn't working or the mapping – the logistical data is critical to us. We're looking at geospatial technology to apply to our um, functionality. But more importantly, you need a really, really slick, easy search tool. And it doesn't exist right now. So we're very big on our tagging and our AI. And we're really big on this database, this idea of, you know, being able to go location, loca- uh, photo shoot locations, Melbourne with gum trees. And it will give you a short list. So it's taken a lot of um, effort to sort of really look at how manual. I, I, I did imagine in the early days of the tech that it was going to be automated. <laughs> now I realise it's not going to be automated. We're, a, we're, we're absolutely 100% um, location scouts don't like doing automated stuff. But what we have, we're a hybrid marketplace. So... About 30% of our um, our business, I imagine, will end up being automated, which is your photo shoots and your sort of big retail. So retail groups that we're working with are, you know, easy. You know, they just know what they want. They know their budgets. They know how we work. They know our service. And we, we've also disrupted big time with our um, – we're very big on framing um, – we, we protect both sides of the marketplace, so we're there to layer an, a layer of integrity around um, how you treat a location, your insurances, 
making sure that it's left in the um, state to which you booked it, making sure that you get equally paid, fairly paid for what you're using the production for. Likewise, that the producer is protected as well from late cancellations and all those things. So we've built a lot of work. We've done a lot of work on that and that's really, really showing in our um, in our growth in the last six months. That said, the technology hasn't held up. And to be completely honest with you, it's just been, honestly, the, uh, <laughs> I thought finding locations was difficult. <laughs> um, it's we been, all have our own challenges, don't we? I, I don't give up, right? I'm, a, I'm one of those people that this is my third business um, and I'm a fairly tenacious person. <laughs> But this has nearly broken me up. I have to be honest. I'm like, I sit there going, you know, you feel like you're right at the end and you're about to get delivered this amazing product to only find out it doesn't do anything they told you it was going to do. So I've been through four tech teams. Oh, well. Yeah. Just, on this, just on this product? Just, yeah, it yeah. seems like it, yeah. I like the fact that you can laugh at that because some people can't because it becomes, it comes impactful to the business and the the Where reason I'm talking to you guys, the reason that I'm really getting out there to say the truth of the story is, you know, you've got a, I think I spoke to a guy the other day, a guy rang me for, an, for a reference from my previous developers who did the wrong thing, who put me on the front page of their website. And I said to him, no, nah. <laughs> like seriously. Um, but interestingly, this guy has got a great idea. And I said to him, he's young, and I just said, no, I'm a lot older than him. I've done, I've been around the bush and I've also run companies. So I think anything that we can impart on people building companies, the biggest challenge you will have is how much they tell you it's going to cost, how much it actually costs, and then it doesn't work. And what your expectation is on something that works, it's, it's like it's an unregulated industry in my view. It's a nightmare to deal in this industry because you do not know what you're getting. And the quality of the service, you know, having run companies for 20 years, you know, what we deliver is our service, right? And I worked in media for radio and you've got a product that's up there and you've got accountability. I can't say the accountability on this because I can't read code. And if I had the brains to do it, I'd go and do a course on it, but I, I don't even have the patience to do that. <laughs> It would take you a very long time to build it, it yourself would, too. It would, but even, you know, just being, just thinking that you're making the right decisions and trying to hold people accountable to the dollars that you're spending and then finding out, you know, I had, I had a group take off with the code at one point and, you know, and I had paid all this money. So, you know, and I'm, I'm smart and I've been doing this a long time, but it's still got me. So that's why I feel like telling that story and being honest to people about those challenges, I think it needs regulation. I think the industry is just at a, you know, in some instances I've heard, I mean, mine's not that much of a horror story, but I'm also self-funded. So I've wasted a lot of my own money. And, you know, I feel people that have borrowed money to, you know, it, it puts everything at risk because you can't trust the product that you're getting delivered. You know, and I don't know how you solve that problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> but it, I think yeah, it, talking it's about not it an easy had, thing to solve. It's it's, it's very technical, no. so you have to be in the know to understand. Technical. Like you can gauge whether it delivers on its outcomes, but not how it's delivering them. So you know it's failing. No, no, but no. I could tell you 
technically why it's failing and why it's not doing anything it's supposed to. 100%. And the other thing that I find is I think because I'm, you know, I'm in my late 40s, right, and I feel like <laughs> when you've got this age group, that is under 30, under 35, they talk a different language. And the old school language that I use, there's a lot of a, a lot of confusion. So it took me a long time to realise that, oh, hang on, I'm talking about that. And they're like, no, 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 that doesn't mean that. I go, yes, it does. Well, that's just because I've grown up in a different, you know, we didn't have that technology and we didn't apply. So it's just there's some basic stuff that just doesn't exist. And I think you know, you go into it quite blind because I, I can build a brand, I can build a, a successful product and I've done that. Yeah, to make it work the way I want it to work is very difficult and I look at this product as being quite simple. So that's been like a massive eye-opener, massive eye-opener. I get why people give up. Question for you. Um, conveying the message of what you want, how have you found that conversation with your teams? Um just sort of explaining it and how have you gone through that process to convey that message of what you're looking for? So that's a really good question, Andrew, because what I, I'm a, I'm old school account service um, salesperson that didn't grow up on email. So we were always manual and we're very detail orientated. We're organized and everything is, is, um, you know, covered off in writing, you know, just contact reports at meetings. So working initially in, on this product, I was just astounded at the lack of um, accountability in anything put in put into writing and contracts that aren't fulfilled or signed or, you know, milestones that aren't being met. You know, I'm a big milestone KPI person. I work with really closely with my management team to implement, um, you know, process and system so dealing with developers, they don't work in processing system and they don't work during the day, mostly. They don't work in the mornings. <laughs> so that They're was building processes and systems. I should um, be able to work with them. The good ones anyway. Yeah, yeah. But also I think also in, in fairness, I've, got, I've had some great guys I work with and the team we're working with at the moment is amazing. And it's interesting, right? So what I realise is it's a, a little bit like, the advertising industry going backwards to the old way that we used to service, right, media and I, and I advertising agencies. And I feel like it's doing that in tech at the moment because when I'm, when I'm in a room with my tech guys now, I've got an account director in there who's a suit. So my way of talking is to her and they go, Kate, you're not making sense. You talk too fast. You this and that. And they'll interpret me. So that's really helpful. And that's come from obviously learning the hard way, but I think you have to build this stuff in teams. You cannot do it in a two-way conversation with a developer and a person like me who's a founder because my idea. Also, I think I used to think that there was no accountability on it's my money and you're spending my money and you just don't see that. But they don't, that, that they're, they're, um, they're, accountability is not on the dollar it's on the delivery to what they think the interpretation is and I found I found a lot that's really incredibly frustrating for me and I think I'm a really a strong A-type personality I work at 100 miles an hour and they find it hard to work with me and I find it hard to work with them so I've brought in a team between us now because it's just you know that's not conducive to a good working environment for them either 
you know, that it's it's taken three years to find my feet on how to make it work. And it doesn't mean we still don't have, you know, the same, some of the same problems when you're onboarding and, you know, we've got, you know, little things going on with the functionality. But now I, I'm more educated on how to work better with the developers so they understand my language and they understand me. And, uh, something that we talk about a lot um, is all about clarity. And you mentioned interpretation in that mm. in that uh, that sharing just then and in terms of one party's not interpreting what the other party's saying in the right way, we can go off and build something completely different and then uh, release the curtain and it's completely opposite of what you expected or it doesn't serve you in the right way. So um, it's, it's pivotal it's that you have really every common. party on the yeah. same page, um, mm. that you're back testing, that you're repeating back, all right, this is exactly what we can. Also, try, you know, it's interesting you say that. It just reminds me a lot of some of the really, really challenging times that I've had with it. Um and exactly that. So you sit there and you go through the wireframes and you're having this presentation and they're so excited and they're so technical, right? So they really blow my mind. I love these smart guys, right? So impressed with how hard they work and how incredibly smart they are. And then I get the product and it's nothing that I thought it would be because of that. But then when I make a change, they'll just go like that. Okay, it's done. I'll okay. go, no, 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 can we talk about this? We need to talk about it. <laughs> it's done. I've done it. It's deployed. So, you know, the whole get onto a staging environment and stop pulling my website down. <laughs> so there's just so many things that were, I was naive to. And I, you know, I studied and read a thousand books when I was sort of putting this together. It makes no difference. Like I still made every mistake in the book. And I still do, but I've got a I've got a really great team now who who challenge me more, I suppose. You know, one of the challenges with the developers with me is they won't say no to me. And I'm really strong-willed and, you know, I'm really, this is what I want and you're going to give me this and I'm going to pay this. So when it doesn't happen, <laughs> so okay, I know I'd be difficult to work with you if you ask anyone with me, you know, at the helm. So I think stepping into the um, the brand role and moving away from the CEO role is probably, a little, you know, a breath of fresh air for everybody to be able to focus on what they're good at, you know. Um, I think from what you said earlier where they're accountable to what they interpret as the delivery, not what you expect right. as the delivery. That's right. That's, yeah, key from that like in, interpretation problem. But that's got to be, you know, honestly, that, that's got to be on my side, right? So so the way in which we brief these these developer teams and the way in which we decide to build a technology has to be challenged and it has to be questioned and there has to be a process and there has to be an architecture around that. Mm-hmm. It, it's a give and take. I wouldn't say it's it's on you. It's a, it's a partnership. You have to be able to work with a team because you're going to be working with them in a long-term relationship. You're going to be with them. So if you're, you're going to have a product that's going to survive 20 years, you should have the same team working with you for 20 years ideally. But at the early stages, I was going to say, yeah, if they can't repeat back to you what you've explained to them as a tip is what we tell people, then there's a problem already in your communication. That's just one thing that we try and tell people this is a red flag that's if you're working with a team. That's a really good point, a really good point because I never did that. And I have to say that one of the biggest lessons last year was realising that 
the person that was working on part of the product had no idea, no idea what we were talking about. And I went, oh, wow, maybe how did I not see that? You know, how did I not identify that that was a challenge, you know, that was an issue? But, again, you know, working at 100 miles an hour says all the right things in a meeting. It gets me really excited. And then we go off and we go, oh, that's not right. Yeah, that's like if you're building a house. Sorry, just say if you're building a house and you're saying, all right, I want timber floors. Mm-hmm. And they just go and do whatever they want. You're going to get the engineered floorboards, or you're going to get some nice Tasmanian oak, or your cash, or what are you going to get? Floor before you build it. <laughs> you mentioned a couple of things there, Kate, in your sharing. Is that one was about brief and providing brief, mm-hmm. and then um, expect them to do what you want. And I think yeah. when you frame it, and I have this conversation with a lot of people in the space, is if you're not tech. You should really not be briefing your technology, your tech providers, on how we should put this thing together. That is not your. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> that is not what the customer or client or person that's the creative yeah. or the person behind the idea in a business. That's not the role. I think what we've found in this space, it's all about co-creation. You have a business model, a business business idea, some business expertise now. Then you need a tech person that has tech creative, tech ideas, tech now, so can mold everything this together. Is my biggest challenge. <laughs> I can't afford the tech person. I have been looking for a tech person for a long time. And we did decide that, but in hindsight, all the money I wasted, I could have put into the tech person and avoided what I've done. So you're exactly right. And then that person isn't, yeah, if you're talking directly to a developer, they're too low level. That's not who I you know, need to be talking to. It needs to be. And in, our, in our business, we separate developers from uh, from this com- from need, a conversation yeah. like this. Yeah, you need That's to separate. so true. Mm. I've been looking. I really want a, a co-founder, CTO person. And um, what I have found, because I have had a few conversations with people, so if there's anyone out there listening that's interested in this type of role, <laughs> This is what I need. I need someone that understands the market. You know, I'm a big one on um, the market that we're in is a really, um, it's an old traditional market that doesn't have a lot of technology around it. Um, you know, we're doing some big work in blockchain and big work in AI that's going to transform. And the tech person, I really would love the tech person to be someone that's like, you know, been in film or television or production or understands the problem we're solving. And often, you know, um, again, this is my naivety, is the people that I've worked with had never, they didn't even know what a location high was, you know. So I think that's also something, and that doesn't, wouldn't apply to every business, but I think in my business I would love someone that's had a background in understanding the market. They don't have to work in it. They just need to understand what is the problem we're solving, you know. Media is the same. The media industry has, you know, been slow to adopt technology um, and I see a lot of people in moving into the media space at the moment that are really adding that, you know, that technology play into areas that we've been screaming for it for years that, you know, this is the same. It's we're, we're all encompassed in this huge entertainment sort of media space. Um, my part of it's one tiny dot on the radar that it's it's a big space and it requires big thinking. And I realised to your point, Andrew, that it shouldn't have been me briefing that. 
I think um, I've got to, just something come up just to say in terms of um, when you share, just early stage question, when you originally shared your concept, was was it about this is what I need or did you share the business case, the business story, what the opportunity looks like, what the industry looks like? Is that something you yeah, took? No, I was, yeah, good question, good question. So I'm the opposite. So I build the brand in my head first. I wrote it up. I, I, I knew there was a problem. I researched it for three months, wrote it into a deck and took it straight to Hollywood, flew over, stayed with a mate of mine, went and met with four producers and then went and evaluated 100 competitors globally and looked at every single thing they were doing right, wrong and indifferent and I'm still on exactly the same track, exactly the same track. So I knew very early on, even when I read that deck the other day, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it's not that different to what I started with. But the application of that, I think probably me moving so quickly um, and the way I engage with people. So I write I write a brief for the website um, and being losing the last company website that we had and, and knowing how that happened and how much money we lost on that. Um, which was millions, um, I'm like, I'm not going to do that again, never going to do that again. I'm going to know everything there is to know about this one. <laughs> and um, and what I did was I went out and briefed half a dozen agencies by researching the agencies and looking at what they'd won and the types of products they were working on. And, you know, it's still the same problem. So it's just a, I think at, to your point, had I started with a CTO, probably wouldn't be having these conversations at the level I am, you know. Big well, it sounds like you've got a really good grip on the business model and what's required. I think um, – I know the business, yeah. That's what I do have a grip on. The tech, I don't. The tech is not my biggest gap. So when um, you were briefing, were you going into like very low-level detail on how they should be putting it all together or were you helping them drive no, direction? No, I'm just saying to them, I wanted to do this. Here's an example. I wanted to do this. I love, see, I'm such a researcher and I'm such a thinker strategically and architecturally I go, right, here's, here's six sort of creative executions I think look really good. I think that we're moving away from this type of CMS um, from, you know, when you're on board. Why are we doing that? Why do I have to keep entering all my details? And then by the time I kept building you know, technology was moving and mapping and all that. And I'd say, hey, guys, this is a really good one. What do you think about this? So I'd leave it with them to make the call. But, you know, even that was a problem because I gave them too much autonomy. I'd give them the baseline um, and say, show me what you can do. And then I find out that half my product's been built overseas in a market. I had no idea it was being built. I was being fed something that I wasn't and they held on to it in the end. Um, so... And then that went out. I, I went and did a huge launch in LA um, a couple of years ago, 2018, and went to launch the website, which we'd already paid for and worked really closely with this team to find out that it fell over because um, the back end hadn't been attached. So effectively we ended up with two websites, a front end and a back end that didn't talk to each other. So, you know, there was bit, bit it's interesting. It wasn't that the brief it wasn't that I was telling them how to build it because I didn't know how to build it. I was just saying, here's some examples of what doesn't work for me. Here's what I think as all the people I've spoken to in the market, this is what they want to see um, and here's how I want it to work. Were the agencies you're working with, were they 
after you'd vetted them and you picked, say, your shortlist and you went to approach them, were they once had built something similar or are they like web developers who then sort yeah. of were in over their heads and well, decided to try and take this I, on? Don't I, um, I, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I worked with one of the top agencies in Australia and that was the biggest disaster. I've worked with direct um, with some kind of consultants that didn't work. Um, I think universally if there's one thing that's consistent is they all say they can do it and they all give you examples of their work. Whether they did that work or not, you know, is sometimes questionable, I guess. Um, and I suppose being in an industry like I'm in where, you know, transparency is key to what we wanted to do, I didn't have that transparency. And I kept, you know, the problem is you can't, I can't keep, I can't hold them accountable if I don't know what's going on and that, you know, they can just keep telling you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all this that you're telling us in these stories, things we've heard time and time again with other startups and their firms that they've worked with. I thought so it was just me. I thought I was the silliest person in the whole market because I got into this situation again. Th- this is the whole reason, yeah, we're starting the podcast. So we in October you know, 2019, I was going to say, yeah, we had five businesses approach us who had lost a million dollars in development collectively yeah, yeah. by picking oh, the wrong teams and getting I, the wrong thing to build. Yeah. Do you know what I, I've been thinking about it because I had a friend lose money recently on something and I looked at it and I said, well, how do you, how do we, how do we avoid doing this again? You know, do you, do you have an industry body or do you have a group of people from all sides of, you know, the market? You know, you've got the health or the tech, you know, the fintech, whatever it might be. And you have some sort of robust system that people can pass through. So someone can just say to them, hey, that doesn't look right. We're going to mentor you through this and we're going to take 5% of your business. That would have saved me a million bucks. I think yeah, part of the problem we say so trying to regulate development space is that is the area that is innovating everything because <laughs> it's the technology and things move. So it's very hard to regulate it and allow it to move at the pace it moves at. Yeah, yeah. But I agree there are a lot of dodgy agencies out there. There are a lot of people that say they can do it and they can't actually deliver. There's people that will just take your money. They're also taking. They're also, you know, they're very unscrupulous. And, you know, I've I've found um, at one point that someone sent me an incorrect document that had my code being pitched to another client. Um, You know, so there's no amount of confidentiality or, you know, contracts that you can sign now you know I don't even know what that means but it wasn't good because all my stuff was on that document you know all of my IP and I thought god I've paid all that money how do you avoid that well I didn't want to expose we're in the middle of something big and I'm like you know more for me but how do you stop that how 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 do I stop that because I, I've got, you know, people say to me all the time, you should have people internal. Well, to build the team internally, I need, you know, there's, and the challenge is in this space, you spend so much money trying to get it right. And then where do you put your money? Do you, do you get the 250K CTO or do you put it into building the database, which is what we need because you need listings before you can actually go to market? Um, and do you outsource your developers because they cost, all of them cost money and who's going to look after them because I can't read code. So there's no point with them sitting next to me. 
I think that's the biggest issue that most people have in this this world. It's they don't understand the output. Um, but in, and I think we used it at the start of the conversation. Building a house came up. You can see what a house looks like and get a feel if the thing's going to fall down. Yeah. And you can that physically, tangibly yeah. have a better bit of a look and a feel and understand where it's at. But when you're looking, there's no if you don't understand code, you don't know how it's been structured. If it's going to hold up at scale, you have no real clue as to yeah. if they picked the right technology to build this in. You don't know. This is the other thing. You know, it's the early stage stuff where you just go, "Oh my god!" and and even investor conversations um, and conversations with consultants who want to charge you 30 grand to evaluate your code to then tell you, oh, you can do this or you're on the wrong CMS or, you know, too late to if find out. just a 30 grand to evaluate code, there's a big problem there. Yes. It takes, uh, yeah. I, I hand something over to Anthony, it takes him two hours to tell me if this thing's a piece of garbage or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not that difficult yeah. to understand if structures are in place. Yeah, you don't have to look at yeah. every single line. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, yeah, but how do you, you know, when you're, a, when you're a young startup company and you've just put a mortgage on your house and you're putting in 150 grand just to start, just to get a prototype in place and you find out, you're told this is the way it should be built, to only find out seven months later that that was not the case. Meanwhile, you spent another 150 on it. So, and then you're chasing yourself and then you're nervous and then you're making emotional decisions. So, I think there's a happy medium here. Um, you mentioned get a CTO on board. Some mm. advisors around you would be great, especially from at least a top level, just overseeing some decisions or just just guiding you down a bit of a path and asking. Yeah, I, I need a tech person. I need a tech. Uh, we've had people come and go and, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, and again, you know, Tech advisors, tech advisors in, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to evaluate them because I have had a couple of tech advisors and clearly that hasn't worked, has it? Um, but that said, I've got a couple at the moment. I've got some really good senior people that have come in and, you know, we're, we're sort of at this, you know, we're about to start scaling and we're getting some really good traction. So, you know, finally things are turning around. Um, but, you know, as I said, the journey could have saved a lot of heartache and a lot of money. Had I, had I did that, had I got the CTI, CTI would be the first person. I'd sack me and put a CTI in. Yeah, okay. It's interesting when you say that because everyone's afraid to spend the money. But Oh, my God. So was I. That's why I didn't do it. But now the amount of money I've wasted, that could have been saved by having a CTO co-founder. So, it, you know, I only know that now. But also I think um, I, I'm sort of, when I say CTO, in my view, I've done a lot of research on the CTO space and I really wanted someone that was innovative, that um, was really forward on the mark, you know, really on the ball with technology and the, the trends and the pace at which it's changing, you know, AI and image recognition technology and 360. There's a lot of stuff I want to do and I do a lot of research. So I know I'm like, I really want to do that. I really want to do that. Like one of the things I really want to do is you scan your photo and it tells you where to find that location. Um, but how do you evaluate that a CCO that also has a really solid business um, background with a financial hat on because 
you can do all this stuff, which I everyone tells me, stop, you can't afford that because <laughs> all I want to do is do go there, but I can't afford it. I've got to I've got to break it right down to the the basics to get the basics right to prove the product and then scale. So it's a unique mix to find the person that has what you're sort of asking for because a traditional route would be you start out as a developer, you become like team lead, senior developer, mm-hmm. then you become potentially an analyst and architect, and then go so to a CTO like at some point. So I feel like my needs to run a business. <laughs> it needs to be from a startup. Yeah, it's look, maybe I'm asking, maybe I'm asking too much. <laughs> I think um, you mentioned a little bit there. Um, and I think it's probably some takeaways people can take from this conversation is you can have a big picture in mind, but that big, big picture doesn't mean you have to build it all at once too. I think mm. we need to evaluate from a feature set and a, a delivery perspective the value and the ROI you're going to get on this stuff too, and that's what you might mean put the financial that's hat right. on because, yes, a tech will say they can build it, but is that actually going to deliver a lot of value to users, to yeah. your product, to your business? Uh, that needs to be assessed. And That's what my CEO is, you know, she's been with me for a year now and the team now are very, very accountable to the dollar and what it's going to mean. So it might be nice to put that feature in, Kate, but if it's not going to deliver me revenue, it's not going in. And I can scream and yell till the black cows come home, but I've agreed that she can make those decisions so that we can get this thing off the ground. But it's interesting because you're right, I would like to do everything at once and, you know, I have a tendency to go really big and breaking it down has really made it far more manageable as a business but also as a technology. So the tech has to apply to the business that we're building, you know, the features so at a very basic level, we just need search, short list and book at the moment. That's it. The rest of it, you know, your, your image gallery tools and all those additional things can come later because they're not going to impact the revenue right now. Yeah. And you can forever mm. yeah, you can forever be sitting there tweaking and trying to perfect that idea. We've had clients I'm do that bad. on projects as I'm well. I'm bad at that, Anthony. Let me tell you, that might be screaming at me. It, it, it's not easy to learn because you've got an investment in it and you've got an emotional attachment because it's your business and your idea. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. hard to say, all right, enough is enough. Let's get it out when you want to go, all right, if I just add this little thing, it might, and this might be the thing that makes it succeed or this might be the little thing that gets it across the line or this one or this one. But that, mm-hmm. can, that can never stop as well. Also, I think... On that point that recently there's been some new people come in and have a look and some of the come to Jesus moments, you're like, oh, wow, because, you know, new new people that have never been around the business before bring things up and I go, how did I miss that? I, I can't believe I missed that because so, I'm so close to it now. I have no objectivity and so I have to really let people, I just, you know, trying to delegate and let the team make more decisions. They're using the product every day um, and and enabling them to have the autonomy to help get it, you know, get it to the place where they can use it because they're using it more than I am. I think new voices are important in any business. Mm. New perspectives, mm. Um, mm. we can all get sucked into a little bubble and be within mm. our own four walls and just bringing in different opinions along the journey is all can add so much value and just a different appetite and a different experience. And I think can- people always say this, but I'm terrible at it and I've realised, you know, everyone said Facebook wasn't amazing when it launched and, yeah, I'm terrible at that. I, yeah. But also just the way it looks, like, oh, that photo doesn't look quite right on the front page. Can you change that? And that's six hours of work. I'm like, 
But I don't like that photo. It's got a pink hue on it. Can you remove that photo? So they must look at me and think, oh. But it's, you know, I do get caught up in things. So, again, I've had to really step back from that and go, okay, what, you know, when I'm paying the bills each month, what's all this additional work? Well, that's you, Kate. That's you changing your mind. Yes. Mm. Now, in terms of um, a perfect space, obviously you've been playing around with tech and trying to get this right for a long time. What's the vision for the business? Where do you want to take this in the next three so, to five years? What is what yeah. are you trying to achieve within the context? Um, of we want to be the Google, the Google of location scouting, so the go-to. So we're going to license it in each market. I've always, it was interesting from the very, very day that I wrote it up, I wanted to license the brand in um, all the other territories. So... We've picked our 20 markets in the US, our key production markets. We've picked New Zealand, Canada and the UK and France um, and Budapest, which are all the key production markets around the world, um, focused heavily around filming longer term. It's really around we want, you know, Netflix and um Stan and Prime to use us as the go-to and we build a direct relationship with them. So the bigger plan really is to have um, we will market, we'll create the technology and the marketing um, engine. We'll run that out of Melbourne and we'll license it in each market and each of those markets become the expert in those markets. And I imagined it to be, you know, location, realtors in America are really interested, so we've spoken to several of those, old location scouts that are um, manual in tradition. But I think what it'll end up being, it is it'll end up being um, salespeople, film people, people that are in the industry that just go, hey, this looks awesome, and all they do is just turn on the tech and then start onboarding. So, yeah, yeah. That's exciting where you're going too, and I think um, that can be a challenge too. Being in a founder in a business—that's that's the vision, that's the direction. But this is where we're at. Um, yeah. it's one step at a time type thing. I think one of the biggest challenges you have too is it's just not a tech a tech play. You still need people on the ground and I, pulling and all I, this I, together I in the right people, right? So mm-hmm. there is a bit of a mix here, and it becomes um, what comes first. And I think yeah, you need to obviously bring the people on board to drive yeah. the actual. If you think yeah. of it, it's similar to how Google Maps is. That's not mm. a purely tech play either because they have to have yeah. cars. And people driving yes, around capturing photos and yeah. everything for Correct. you. So. Yeah. Correct. And I think um, it's been challenging talking to tech people about that. And you're right that, you know, the big scalable unicorns these days are all about automation. Um, I feel like, and, you know, correct me if you disagree, but I really feel like a lot of those huge automated technologies have also lost their way with customer service in many instances. And my experience with, you know, dealing with some of those big tech, it's great, but, you, you know, you end up going, hang on, you know, we're not even in the, we're not even getting responses here. So my intention from the very outset was to make sure that people um, were able to connect and be serviced and build the technology in, you know, in a marketplace that enabled people to still be serviced. So a little bit like I look back at my radio days. I was in radio for a long time as a salesperson and we had small, really small team looking after multiple millions of dollars worth of business. And I see the same kind of interesting, the same model for this that, you know, there's only a certain amount of agencies in each market 
there's only a limited amount of films and TV productions and you don't need a massive team because the technology will do most of the grunt work. What you do need is the ability to speak to someone, the ability to have a conversation, the ability to have someone. So we've built chatbots and lots of helping people through the funnels. Um, I've done a lot of work with um, the communication structure around the business and being able to really refine that so that we're not having those conversations all the time. But we certainly will enable that for the top 20% of the business that need to be serviced. You're not going to have the top-level executives looking for locations for 30 films in the next 12 months in Asia-Pacific on your technology. They'll want to talk to someone. So we feel like that's where that service model will come in. Like in any business, if you're a top level going in at Atlassian, you're going to get serviced. So we've really segmented. Our audiences are very segmented. Um, so there is a real automated area down the bottom, but there is also a membership area at the top. It's good to hear, see that you're, you're extremely clear on how you should approach who your market is, what you're going for, and just, just yeah, the stumbling block of getting there. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, um, you know, I, I think for, with my last business that we lost the um, website, it fell over. Um, the, the biggest lesson I had was that I didn't challenge that and didn't get involved and didn't test it and didn't look at the data. I listened to them and they were the experts. I went, great, it's going to look amazing, and it didn't work. This one, I probably overdo it a bit, but I'm also, you know, when it's your money and you know, I've got a, I've got three kids. I've got to put food on the table, and you know, I need to feel comfortable that I'm not putting my team at risk. And you know, I don't want the product to fall over. And if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not never. I'm not going to delegate something I don't know. And that's the biggest challenge I've had with the developers is I'm delegating something I don't know, and I can't do anything about it. I can't fix that because I don't know how to recode. So it's always going to be that challenge, you know. Until I get my go. <laughs> and that's where that co-creative word comes in because mm. delegating something you, you don't know is yeah it's, it's quite difficult <laughs> in any it industry. Is. Doesn't matter what it is, right? So I think um, you need it's not easy, but we need the people that understand the business. And I think you mentioned it earlier, um, understanding the direction, the business, where it's going, so you can actually mould the tech and the business together because it is. All encompassing. It's not just technology here. Do this job. It's not about that. It's, and it's about really interesting. Whole- um, mm-hmm. It's interesting on that that in Australia, mm-hmm. so just some basic basic stuff. To it's just quite interesting watching the technology catch up in this space of, you know, search and displays in many different areas. You know, real estate and stays and short term vacation rental, hotel bookings and so forth. So it's really people know how it works, yet you cannot search for a studio in Australia. You you can. You can go to 100 different places and get that information, but there's no uniformity on that, you know. So just at a basic level you go, right, the tech isn't that hard. It's not, you know, this tech exists. So the challenge really is how do you apply that, like you were saying before, Anthony, you know, how do you apply that to solving the problem in your sector, in your industry? And for my industry, and I've spoken to many players about this because studios is a big one, all they want is 
the ability to find out where can I get soundproofing studio in Melbourne 10 minutes from the CBD and where can I find a cyclorama that is in the same studio. How hard can that be? Do you know how hard that is? It's crazy to think. <laughs> That's it's crazy all it in this day and age to think that that doesn't exist. And it's not just it doesn't exist. It does exist in many different forms. <laughs> but it doesn't exist in just being able to compare apples with apples in a uniform way to see a price and go, bang, book, well, can I ring that person? It's not, you know. So it, it's funny how you balance that. It's a simple proposition, but it's not that easy to solve. I think the technology shouldn't be your problem. But um, from sitting back here, I don't think the technology should be the problem. No, I think it's more the data not collection. Been and, problem. It's been, yeah, yeah but yeah. it has been. Yeah, it's interesting. I find that um, yeah. it's more, from what I'm seeing, it's more collecting the data, bringing everyone on the same page, on the journey, um, mm. getting all the information in the right place, and then it's a searchable database. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. And it's, look, it's been bad decisions in that sense, you know, going back to the CCO, but I think to your point is um, – um, the the challenge is educating the industry that this is a better, faster, more pragmatic, um, easier process to use than how you're currently doing it. Yeah, and that's generally the challenge for most startups. Challenge. Disrupting is education is the key thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. Picks down on the education and doing things differently. I think everyone's used to just picking up the phone and talking to Joe down the road mm-hmm. around how do I get access to this or whatever they do in their part. In We do. We get it every day. Every day. Oh, no, we don't do it that way. And, you know, and, and, it's, and, and it's, a, it's a really fine line to tell them, well, you shouldn't be doing it that way or would you consider looking at this way of doing it or why would we, you know. We've always done it this way. But that's what technology does. Technology saves you time and saves you money. It still doesn't necessarily click. <laughs> Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to understand a little bit about uh, a perfect space and your your direction and vision for the business, your journey thus far. And I think Thank you. There's, there's plenty of information for people to take away from this. It's technology is not a not an easy road to walk, um, especially if you're not. Technology, mm. not savvy is not the word, but don't have that background from a delivery of technology. Uh, educated in programming. Uh, yeah, it's a very different beast. Um, mm. And yeah, getting and the right people You shouldn't have to board. be a programmer, really. No. no you're running a business, you're not programming. Mm-hmm. Mm. It'd be really good to have a, a community that has people just sitting in a room going, right, it's like speed dating where you can go and talk to a CTO or a, and say, do you reckon I should do, what do you think I should do now? So it because might be your next business, a perfect CTO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. This is it. I'm going to get this one right. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. It's been great to chat to you guys. And we'll share a little bit about Perfect Space if anyone's interested in this particular piece of technology and um, want to learn more about what you're up to. So thanks a lot, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. See you later.